I'd like each product to be able to win an award because basically what happens when you make the best product out there is once you pay the acquisition cost and get a customer, they're just a customer for life. Hello and welcome to the Optimized Store Owners Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron and Christian. We want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. Hey, howdy and hello, y'all. So this is a podcast episode that I know you're going to get a ton out of. I did, and I know Christian did as well. This was one of those podcasts where Jake does such a great job of making it feel and seem like if you put in that work, you will be successful. And obviously, he's done it. He's built a very successful company. Crete is a company that has only a few products and has done really well successfully. So we're going to talk about not only uh, Jake's strategy to go to market, his plans for the future, what marketing strategies he's implementing for the business, how he's so profitable. And I think more than anything from this is just the optimism of how entrepreneurship works and how you can make your business work for you and continue to grow and scale. Uh, I think throughout the podcast, it makes it seem like it's oversimplified, but sometimes I think the real issue is that we overcomplicate things. And so this was a nice breath of fresh air uh, from Jake and from the way that he approaches business. You guys are going to get a ton out of this episode. A lot of really good ear nuggets in store for you. Enjoy. Yeah. Jake, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit. I know you started this business because of something actually, you know, I, I guess a lot of people, they create things either uh, by chance or, you know, some crazy life event happens. But I was reading a little bit about your story and I think it's we should we should start there and we can dive into how this company came about. Yeah, so uh, in 2017, I was at a ski accident and my ski came up and hit me in the face and cut my nose open and gave me a scar. And so from that, I went from, you know, the person who goes to CVS and gets whatever random skincare thing or soap off the shelf. And unfortunately with the scar, it heals differently. It's stay out of the sun. You have to avoid certain chemicals. So I had to, I was kind of forced into learning about skincare. And from that, I started realizing that most of the stuff you buy is crap and so overpriced. And the good stuff is at a place like Sephora, but there's no way you're actually going to find that because it's not made for men there's 10,000 options they're trying to upsell you on things the terminology is like beautified contour you know brighten I was like I was one concealer and my doctor said I need a hyaluronic acid serum and so there just wasn't a brand that would have made my life a lot easier and so I had a shoe company I sold to my partner and the next day I started Crete because I thought well the business is there the margins are good the products are easy fulfillable I learned chemistry and actually formulated some of the products myself to make sure they actually worked and they were very high quality. And so kind of step-by-step step, just built Crete from the ground up to be that experience that I wish I had. What's the name? Maybe I'm missing it, but what's the, how'd you come up with the name? Just curious. The name was, I honestly liked the, the, the Greek sounding things like Kith, Nike, NYX, Cosmetics. I, I just liked the name. And so I had that in mind and I looked up a bunch of like Greek and Roman gods in mythology and, and all of it sounded a little too cheesy. And then our first product was going to be concealer. And I thought women well, will have foundation. We'll call it concealer concrete. And so at the end of that creed, I was like, oh, we'll call 
brand Crete, and then we made it with a K, so it's different from the island. So it just kind of came from two different angles. And then it worked, and nobody owned the domains or the trademarks or anything. It was like, it's a five-letter word that's easy to spell and fits all my criteria. So that was it. Yeah, I feel like that was pretty rare uh, for everything to yeah, sort of was, line up. Yeah, it was up. very lucky, yeah. Because, like, you, you think you have this great idea to go, and, like, there's three brands. There's a clothing brand, a, a drinks brand, and a cosmetics brand all named the same thing. And they're probably all suing each other already, so you don't want to necessarily jump in that mix. So we all outright own everything at this point, so it works out. How'd you guys first go to market then? So you, you tested out the product yourself. I, I applaud you for, for going and figuring out some of the, the chemistry, figuring out how to make this yeah. actually work. But what was your guys' plan to, to launch this to actually make money? Um. Well, before I actually spend petty on this because I've been self-funding it, I, I looked at the actual business of it. And so, you know, the regulations are low, the margins are high, a, a small product is easily fulfillable anywhere. So I came from a software background and there is no fulfillment with that. It's the margins are great and there's no shipping, there's no nothing. So to actually move into the physical space with fulfillment and, and inventory management and all those things, it's nice that skincare is a high margin, easy to fulfill business. You know, we sell a, a smaller bottle for $39 because of what's in it. It should actually possibly be priced higher, but that's still only a couple dollars to ship to New York from Southern California. So the business itself made sense as opposed to, you know, a mattress company where someone buys a mattress and then they don't buy it again for 10 years. Someone will buy our products every single month too. So to actually launch, I thought direct to consumer just made sense. You know, you can start at an incredibly low budget. You don't really need anything that complicated. You make some ads, which are not that hard to make and you see what happens at a small scale and constantly improve. And so we grew our channel from Facebook and Instagram. Now we're doing Google and Amazon emails and SMS. And, you know, you slowly add one more channel every couple of months and add a new team member who does it and add the budgets increase and kind of get them to be profitable over time. Can you talk a little bit more on the like tech stack side of things, um, whether you started with WooCommerce, Shopify, uh, we did Shopify because honestly, they just take a lot of the things you wouldn't want to do. I've helped companies build custom sites and there's so many things that you could build, but you might not even know you need to build them. Discount systems and what are some of those chargeback and payment processing and page of the terms of service. So Shopify has all those things just like there for you. Um, I have a full-time developer too from the software company. He came over with me. So for us, design and implementation of, of a more complicated website with Shopify's handling of all those little e-commerce things is a perfect match. There's occasionally times where we want to do stuff too custom for Shopify, so we're a little limited, but that's rare. Um, but yeah, it just made it pretty easy. As far as going to, to market from this, are you guys... Um... Well, you, I guess, yeah, you started on Shopify. Then you said you started to run Facebook and Instagram ads. That's how you guys... Started that reach. was the first major thing because you could do it at just small scale. And it originally when we did it, um, yeah, like short 10 to 15 second video ads was not that hard to make. As you scale it, you know, you have 10 versions of the same ad where the first three seconds are different. You have a lot more talent. You're going to all demographics, younger women, men, like all all kinds of things. So now we have, we have a little larger team that's handling all that content creation. But also, we're spending a lot more and making a lot more from it. So, at all kinds of scales, as far as the internal team, the amount of content you need to produce, 
and you know it never gets less crazy it just you you can manage the level here and then you go to the next level where it's it's crazier but then you manage that and it's constantly jumping into the next thing right now you have uh what is it you have two products three products we have three? two products we're launching our third in about a month and we have three more we're going to launch this year because we did really well with one product for a year and a half and we were developing a bunch of other ones they just um i kind of make sure that they're not like a products they're a plus plus and so we make sure that they are like the absolute best i'd like each product to be able to win an award because basically what happens when you make the best product out there is once you pay the acquisition cost and get a customer they're just a customer for life our retention is amazing our returns are almost zero so by spending a little extra time in the front end developing products and packaging to just be kind of flawless the work is done once we acquire using a customer and for many brands they struggle with retention because their stuff is like no different than anything else. So if someone sees another thing that's a dollar cheaper on Amazon or the next thing that has a nicer looking package or a nicer scent on, on the shelf at CVS, they'll switch to that. But our customers don't switch off our stuff. And so to me, that's how we get you for 24 to 48 months as opposed to a one-off purchase. Can you talk about what you guys have done to make this the best product? Like what process, like what systems yeah. or operating procedures have you put um, in place to make this happen? The first is that you look at what's out there. So for instance, our, one of our next products is a facial cleanser, which is different than soap. Soap is, means it has a couple of specific chemicals and we don't have those. So it cleans better than soaps, but it's not technically a soap. Um, and so for that, I ordered 17 competitors, all the best ones out there. Didn't really care what their prices were, spent you know good amount of money on all those. They came, I tested them one by one every day for two weeks. I said, which one's foam, which one's stone? How does it feel in your face? I'd put olive oil on parts of my face, see if it took it off. I'd put our concealer on parts of my face, see if it took it off. I just need this test so you get familiar with the products. And then you say, okay, product number two foams really well. Product number three doesn't like leaves irritation. Okay, like look at that one and make sure we don't use those ingredients or whichever ingredients you're doing that. And I kind of analyze each one and then that gets us 80% of the way there. We know the exact performance characteristics that we absolutely want, how it's supposed to clean, how it's supposed to feel afterwards. Then we look at the packaging from all those examples and the price points. And then you start talking about order raw materials based off of the products you like. One is a foaming agent that's used also in shaving cream. It was the only one that did and it was the best foaming because it's like a creamier foaming. And we're like, oh, it's a weird water resistant chemical that's normally used in skincare. It's used in like shaving cream. So, okay, let's include that and see what happens with the foaming. Got way nicer overnight. So... A lot of the times we do that with our website, with ads. You know, you see a competitor with a great ad. Maybe you should borrow some inspiration from it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's how we kind of approach it. And then, and then, you know, if you take all the best things out there and you break them down, then you get the list of characteristics. And then you work with a great chemist who I hired. And he kind of, he and I take care of the rest and we test it. Multiple rounds of prototyping it out, get it to people, get their feedback, and constantly improve it. Maybe the pump gives too much, maybe it gives too little. Like any little thing like that, focus on every single thing. And then at the end of the day, after a couple months of that, you have something that just 90-something percent of people get it and love it. And it's a giant pain in the ass, but then then the work's done. The pain in the ass for us would be if we make something that 50% of people return. So, yeah. yeah. That's... that's- I love that you were the test subject for your own product yeah. there. 
They say not tested on animals, just, you know. I make that No animal cruelty. Yeah. We we are, yeah, we do have a Leaping Bunny certified for no animal testing. And I asked them, I was like, well, if I've tested it on myself, they're like, that's fine. I'm like, all right. Because I, yeah, sometimes I'd use ones and they would like cause serious irritation for a day. I'd have like, I mean, like, I'd do it in patches. So I have a picture on one of our emails with me and like this whole side of my face is red from like someone else's serum that uses like the most garbage uh, ingredients. And so I'm like, well, don't use this ingredient. And like, that's in one of our emails. That's such a great selling point too. Like that's really good. Like, I don't know. know what I'm talking about. I use them. Oh, you like Kiehl's? Well, they're using denatured alcohol and everything. Or Aesop uses denatured. It's horrible for you. Are you guys? Uh, well, I see on here. Yeah, it's vegan, cruelty free, recyclable. Is there any other things that you guys are like chasing to like add? What is the like validity in the marketplace, or is like, is that not necessarily you're chasing those at this things, point? Those things are like to remove friction is we're not really like chasing any like we're vegan skincare that that's been done it's a couple years like most brands are now it's more that if you're looking for that and we aren't you're not gonna buy it's like that's like you make a decision to buy and you justify it so a lot of the vegan and cruelty free stuff it's like well i just like i never even if i wanted to test on animals i wouldn't even like like i don't even know how you do that like there's no point like we're not making lipstick and cosmetics and other things it just it's so out of how we make things that we would even consider doing that so that one was easy because it's like we weren't considering doing that anyway there are some like clean that like our all our formulas are clean but that's those these are vague definitions that like sephora makes up they're not actually any sort of real definition there's a lot of really terrible ingredients that are considered clean it's it's all kind of marketing bullshit we have to fit into a lot of those character categories but at the end of the day we're, we're going to put 17 things in our box so the real thing we talk about is how our products take 30 seconds or less to use and the ingredients are amazing. We have like eight ingredients in one product and like competitors of 17, 18, 19, 50, whatever. So they use filler ingredients and pre-bought like pre-made mixes. I'm just, I'm looking at the, go ahead, Christian. To me, how important did you talk about very specifically about getting the product just right um, mm-hmm. how important has it been to also get the brand side of things right, right? The packaging, oh, yeah. the, the colors, the 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 tonality of, of voice and how you direct to, to the amount of audience. Yeah, I mean, people make purchasing decisions based off of feel and emotion and then justify it. And so there are multiple stages of that purchase decision. Again, the, the product quality helps you with the second, third, and onward. But like, if someone has a compelling enough ad and brand, they'll get they'll sell a lot. They just won't sell a lot to repeat customers and, you know, acquiring requests. So excluding the actual product quality and just the branding, yeah, I, I we have a couple of general design rules. Like if you're reading it, it can't take you more than a glance to read anything. You don't have big chunks of wording anywhere. There's a lot of things like that. The whole brand is supposed to be you learn what you need from us in 30 seconds, you order it, it's free shipping, and then when you get it, takes 30 seconds or less to use the tagline's 30 second skincare and that's supposed to be that's why it works is because guys know they'll come if it looks really nice the green is nice it's masculine but not too masculine one of our competitors called like war paint for men it's just like seems like you're trying to convince a guy to do something feminine it's just trying so hard so we're just like let's just be ambiguous Crete. it's a nice sounding name sounds expensive the packaging is great you have like a line that goes through a bottle box it's nice amber glass. The pump is nice. And then at the end of the day, it's just like, do you have dry skin? 
look at some before and afters, free shipping and easy returns. It's like, try it. Who are you guys targeting with these? Uh, I mean, obviously, guys, I know that. But I'm saying, like, <laughs> are, who is your first demographic that you're going after? Like, young guys like you? or There's you looking- two major ones. Um, the first is actually, like, 40-plus. We do a lot of anti-aging marketing because our products help with wrinkles, dry skin, uh, fine lines, and, and redness. So if people have redness, it helps even out the tones of their face. That's what our hydrating facial serum does. And so old guys get very insecure about those things. So if we're just like, hey, it can help with wrinkles. We don't have to be creative at all. We kind of just say that and we sell a lot. Younger guys, it's a little more about lifestyle, aspirational outcomes, a little more storytelling. Um, and we're having some new products. Younger guys, like I'm I'm about to be 33, probably look younger than that. But when you start getting later 20s, early 30s, you get bags into your eyes. And so we're coming up with an eye stick specifically for that. It's one of those things where we'll run ads that just say like, do you buy bags? Use this because it has caffeine, this and that. And it'll, you know, it's a little more utilitarian than female, like female skincare ads and hair care ads are all like, girls at cafes and here bouncing around. This is like, hey, do you have this problem? Here's the solution. No bullshit. Like, it's easier because that's what I would want to hear. So I can, I can watch our ad and be like, probably going to work. It's probably not going to work. Because it's not rocket science. This, the, the complexity comes in the making everything easy, simple and work getting us to fulfill it the same day using faster shipping so it gets to you in two days like a lot of those kinds of things are the complicated thing the messaging is actually pretty simple guys want to look better they just don't want feminine stuff they don't want 80 products they don't want to be stuck in their bathroom so just tell them that yeah that's i mean that's so good and then the how do you how are you getting these people to return so you i mean obviously i think you hit on something that's very important which is that if the product is really good they're going to come back and buy but then Email and SMS, you mentioned that. Like, how often are you guys emailing, text messaging? Like, how are you getting these people to come back? Um, The first is we have a subscription. And when you sign off for that, like, it's a monthly subscription. You can pause and that. That's been really great because we, we have a bottle that takes about a month to use. And even if you don't use it up in a month, use it like 80% up. The second one comes, you're like, okay, cool. By the time the third one comes, we see people maybe skip a month here or there. But by that time, we've broken even, even have been profitable. So that's one of the retention models. The other is, yeah, we just have, you know, pretty standard welcome and a card abandonment flows and all those things. We have a guy that's just fantastic at them. They have the right cadence. They don't say anything that crazy. Like if you came to our site, gave us your email for a discount, we give it to you. It's a nicely designed email. We know when you're supposed to get it. We look at the analytics of those things and constantly improve them. Sometimes it's like the, this. it's just literally the simple things at that point. So um, maybe you don't. Maybe you can or cannot talk too much about numbers, but like, what do, what do you guys goal like? Is, yeah, is I don't profit because I, I I still own the entire company, so I just don't share revenue numbers. We're doing very well and and we're growing pretty quickly. But yeah, I just I I get to not share that. Honestly, it's a benefit of owning the whole thing. Definitely. I mean, more like the uh, when are you profitable? Typically. Um, after somebody like with the te- with the typical acquisition so it cost depends. If you buy one of our bundles, we're profitable like on the first sale. If you don't, we're profitable usually on the second, and it's great because it's like a monthly thing. The major cost of our any individual person is not the cost that gets sold, the fulfillment, or the shipping. It's definitely the acquisition cost, especially with paid social. But again, with a high retention rate, like a crazy high retention rate, and almost no returns, like our return rate is like point three percent. Point. It's like 
almost wow. nothing. It's pretty wild. Actually, even even within that, most of those people are the, oh, I forgot I subscribed and I just got my sixth bottle and I have like four unopened. Can you please cancel and take the last one back? And we're like, sure. Like, all right, you give us 150 bucks, we'll take it back. But um, yeah, our acquisition cost is, we have a high AOV, high first like average order value and a very high LTV. So my mission is basically just get more products out so we can have larger bundles and then also just make sure that the acquisition cost kind of stays where it is or maybe even gets a little lower. It's already pretty low relative to our average order value. But you know, that's keeping up with content all the time, new ads all the time, you strategy to Google and Amazon. So that's the kind of daily, weekly grind. Has there been anything, I mean, everything that you've said so far kind of seems like Man, this is so easy. Like done, done, no, done. Like I've just been doing it for a while, and <laughs> okay. I and I and I'm the guy that does it with the team member that I hire. So like, these all took years to put in place or a while, and I just I don't think you can manage something you don't understand. You don't need to be the guy implementing it, but if you can't understand email flows and SMS flows and the cadence of them and what a welcome versus a browse abandonment versus a cart abandonment versus a win back, like it doesn't take that long to have a general idea of what someone who's working for you does, and if you don't know. How the hell are you supposed to get something that you can recognize as good? And again, it's like, take the emails, for example. Just sign up to a company you like and like look at the emails they send you. Go abandon something in their cart and do it. That's what my email guy and I do all the time. I sign up for all our competitors and I see the emails they send us. And if one of them is like a really cool idea, we go, okay, well, what's our version of that? Again, a lot of answers are out there. You just got to put in the time and be thorough. Is there any maybe even more specific examples of like like a good, I mean, maybe it would have to do with average order value or conversion rate on your website where you guys implemented something and then you guys saw like an actual uptick. So an actual problem with the business, something that you implemented. And Yeah, one of the things that was annoying was we had an intro offer for um, our subscription for $6 instead of 39 We had a crazy high conversion rate. But obviously the gap between like the acquisition cost and six bucks was cash flow wise, not my favorite thing in the world. So we got rid of that. We made every bottle 25%. The conversion rate went down only a couple percent, but the average order value went up 60%. We were like, oh, okay, maybe we should have done this. Now we do get, again, slightly lower conversion, but it's like, okay, let's just optimize for this because if the gap between the first order and the and the acquisition cost is much lower now, which it is. It's like, but we can spend twice as much on a budget and ended up with even more subscribers. So that was one of the things we built an infrastructure to test two things simultaneously, like two prices and have people with one ad get only one thing and not cross over and be confused. Once we built that, we started testing all kinds of prices, all kinds of offers. That was the best thing we ever did because we ended up with offering like a discount of 25% off if you subscribe instead of six bucks um, for the first bottle. And we ended up making more money. And it's like, oh, we get a, you know, we, we didn't think that would be the case, but we tested it just to see. And it was like, oh, okay. We, we would never have just switched to that. We would have had to test those two side by side. Where do you, where you mentioned, do you want to add to more products? Where do you want to take this? Is it a company that's more of like a, you, want to sell to a bigger company you want to take this to um just add continue to add products get into you know hopefully get something nicer into the cvs's or sephora's I mean, of the world 
is probably an acquisition in the future. At what point, if it's in one year, if it's in 10 years, no idea. I'm building a profitable company from day one that is supposed to make money on its own. And so obviously that will like be a more acquirable company. But um, yeah, the goal is more products. I mean, having two makes it hard to upsell and bundle. Having six yeah. is still not a ton. We'll probably end up at around eight to 12 products in the next year and a half. And they all have to do a very specific thing and not cannibalize each other. And so we're already working on a number of them. We'll launch you know, a couple more this year. But yeah, the uh, it's not that hard to, I mean, it's hard to scale any company. But if you're not doing retail, all you do is increase your ad budgets and make sure it's just as efficient as when you were profitable. You know, there's no, we have to negotiate with Target to get more stores or we need more inventory. Like, so one place has our inventory that fulfills it out of. We send it all from to New York, whatever, all from Southern California because it's lightweight products that are easy to fulfill. It's all under a pound. So the shipping's not too bad, so we can actually cover it. We fulfill the same day. So it's like the, everything's ready to scale. Things are going great. It might be 10 times bigger by this time next year. So, I mean, I know people who've scaled to insane amounts just on Amazon. Yeah, more inventory, more ads. Like if the ads are working, you're a larger company. Kind of that's it's it's a simple formula. Again, each level of growth has its complexities, but yeah. Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15-minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Amazon is uh, Amazon has a bigger market share for you guys, but the direct to consumer has the m more profit, I guess, at this point. Um, no, uh, actually flip that. The direct consumer has a larger profit in the long run because we launched Amazon like two months ago and it's profitability at even a low scale is incredibly high because what we found is that people see our Facebook and Instagram ads and then they go look us up on Amazon and Google because they just like buying on Amazon. They just trust Amazon Prime. So we actually have like, we got like a 15% revenue boost just by being on Amazon before we got any, ran any ads or anything just for people on Facebook and Instagram ads who went to Amazon. So that would be one of my pieces of advice for people. If you're running a lot of like TikTok, Facebook, Instagram ads or Google ads, People will just go from those ads and see you, and they won't necessarily want to go on your Shopify store or your nice-facing website. If they'll look on Amazon for you. And if you're there, they'll just be like, oh, it's Amazon Prime, free shipping. They know about the returns, and so they'll buy you. But again, our product is so good. We've had like five total returns in two months, which is insane. Normally, skincare products have like a 5 to 10% return rate, and ours is like way below one. And that's with Amazon Prime, where people just buy stuff and return it. So again, that's where the... The investment in in quality on Amazon is even more important because, like, I mean, we all order six shirts and try one on and then return five. Like, that's a thing on Amazon. So we don't have that problem. But, yeah, Amazon is very profitable. It's a much smaller scale because we just launched it. But I don't know. It could be 50% of our revenue in a few months. That's very cool. And then what does the fulfillment look like? I mean, it's fulfilled by Amazon or what? Yeah, okay. we send it in and they, they do whatever the hell they do. They're like a black box. They don't they don't tell you anything. They just like they get it a week later. It's like distributed in random amounts around the country, depending on where your previous sales were. 
So if you get like a huge boost one month for some reason, people were buying it in like Virginia, they'll they'll like probably send extra when you send them your units to like that area. They 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 have their own system for where they distribute it to. Yeah, whole another level of complexity of yeah, definitely yeah. next level. They they take a big fee for that, but thank God because that's not my problem. You know, it's like that's what their business is. So yeah. Very cool. And you guys, so you started on that two months ago, but you haven't necessarily started running ads or anything on Amazon yet? We did. We started, okay, well, I guess it's May now. I work all the time. I never know what time it is. <laughs> um, we started in February. We started running ads in April and they started being profitable like right away because um, people were already searching for our name enough where with the branded searches, they were just like printing money for us at, at a smaller scale, but like so then now we're going for non-branded searches and serum is this and we're starting to rank we got a ton of amazing reviews like almost 100 within the first like six seven weeks which is some brands take a year for that so again quality of the product made my life easier with amazon reviews the amazon reviews came in it's like a 4.5 star after 95 reviews it's like okay well all my toiling in a lab translates to easier amazon sales now too yeah i guess uh, my question from that is uh, do you guys play into some things that um, people have kind of toy around with is the Walmart side of things too? I don't think we're a Walmart brand. I think our price points are too high. Our branding is a little too nice. I mean, I'm never going to discount it. This is me kind of talking off like general knowledge of price points of other products. I don't want us to have a $39 one ounce serum next to a five gallon jug is something that's that's a quarter of the price, you know? So... I don't really think that's probably, I mean, again, maybe it is, maybe there's sections of Walmart that have higher end products, but you know, our price points are a little bit higher. Um, retail is not something I'm interested in at the moment, like not even remotely. We're doing really well. We control all the customer information and conversation. If someone comes to our website, we email them. We can have like customer service is great. We're automating some things with that. It just it just works. Again, the product is so easily fulfillable. As soon as you go into retail, they have they pull they have all the leverage. And so you're gonna go from something that's working where we decide everything we do and there's no issues to something where someone else controls it. Maybe, but when we need to be bigger, we need to have a little more leverage ourselves, you know, et cetera. Yeah. I guess I'm interested in the logistics there too. So as you build out Amazon, as you build out the your direct to consumer like, do you have to build a bigger warehouse? Do you have to hire more people there? Like, who's who? No, our three PL, our our logistics place, our our fulfillment center is like big. They could handle us at a hundred times X. I mean, they have multiple clock. They 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 run really well. So, you know, when we get it made at our our manufacturer, who can scale to twenty X or even larger than we are now, again, it's like the manufacturing and fulfillment part of this is like, let's say I got twenty thousand units. Twenty thousand units is like four pallets and that's like oh you know eight hundred thousand dollars worth of revenue so let's say a million dollars worth of revenue is five pallets like five pallets is nothing yeah. like for either the storage for the fulfillment for anything so you know if we start being a 10 to 20 50 whatever 100 million dollar a year company like yeah we might start having to consider a larger manufacturer or the manufacturer will be making so much money from us they'll move into a new facility which they've already had to do twice because of other places they they manufacture for Got it. Uh, actually, our fulfillment center last year had to move to a bigger place because they were doing better too. So I don't have to do anything. The places I work with, if they if they if things go well and things get bigger, they'll they'll go bigger. Interesting. That's 
Yeah, such a that's such a cool perspective from that too. So then your actual team of people that you work with and have like, you know, marketing mm-hmm. and all of those things, like your team can stay lean, your profits can stay high, and then literally those yeah. pieces are outsourced outside of the, you know, the marketing. Yeah, and it's all remote too. Developers, designers, multiple email people. We have a weekly call every Wednesday that like everyone from like top to bottom of the company, internalized, or like they're all on it. Hour and a half, we go over everything that's happening. And then there's almost no other calls needed because everyone like, the people know that we're going to do a sale next week. So they're expecting higher volume. So they pre-package board three pack, you know, any kind of thing that might need to be known by someone gets known. And so it just runs pretty smoothly. I mean, we still have calls here and there for like individual people, but it's not like our email guy has no idea what, what our ads are, are running. Like, he needs to know because, you know, if we have a sale again, he needs to put, make emails that offer the sale and so the date he needs to know when to cut it off. And, and anything like that, we just kind of handle via communication. So, but I like small, lean teams with one person that can do like five jobs and I'll pay them twice as much as that, you know, twice as much as an individual person makes because they're doing five jobs. And so we have a bunch of people like that and it just, it lets us run. I could finally, as of a couple months ago, I could disappear for a month and we'd run pretty well. For the first like three and a half years, I was in everything. Now our Amazon's running, our Google's running, our Meta ads are running, like fulfillment's running. Like I was in all of those things making them run. And now, you know, I'm onto future products and I'm onto other things. So doing podcasts. Yeah. yeah sometimes. <laughs> Very cool. So, where is a good place to, I guess, not only connect with you, I don't know if you connect with anybody on LinkedIn or anything like that, if they just have, um, you know, more yeah, business just, if people, If people that want, like, I just, I answer probably more questions than I should, but it's like, I don't know, I've never gotten hurt. It's like, even if a competitor wants to start a male skincare company, asks me all our questions and I answer them, like, have fun. Execution is 100% of it. So Jake, J-A-K-E at Crete.club, K-R-E-T-E dot C-L-U-B, you can ask me anything I'll probably answer it within the same day perfect and then i also see on here too you have something at least on the banner at least at the time of this recording too to get uh 11 off of the the product too so yeah yeah if you it's 11 off we basically make you take a discount like period like if you come to the site and give us your email or phone number like you get a discount like that's just you know you have something we're gonna send you some emails so um and if you sign up you get first subscription that you can literally cancel after the first bottle not necessarily sure I should say that, but yeah. you can. <laughs> um, and as free shipping that, you get 25% off. The reason I'm not afraid of saying that is because like people get the first bottle and they're like, oh, this is fucking great. Like, okay, I'm ready for another one in a month. So it's, you know, again, we were doing really well offering it for six bucks instead of 39. Now it's 29 instead of 39. Same deal. Perfect. Awesome. Jake, this is extremely insightful. A lot of value here. So appreciate that. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at BitBraining and let us know what you thought about this episode. And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.